Welcome to InsureTalk, the podcast where we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. This podcast is brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. Visit guidewire.com for more information. And now, let's make it happen. Welcome to InsureTalk. My name is Laura Drabeck, and I am the Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Samantha Lissio, Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at the WSIB Workplace Safety Insurance Board. Samantha is a senior executive leader responsible for digital transformation and modernizing the business. I specifically selected her for today's podcast because she led the digital transformation of the company, enabling seamless customer journeys. Hello, Samantha, thank you for joining my podcast today. Hello, Laura. How are you? Very good. So why don't we start off by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are, your roles, and your duties. Sure. So you uh, introduced me and gave my title, the Chief Technology and Innovation Officer. So as you would expect, that's all of the technology that's behind the scenes for a large insurance organization. And then the innovation portfolio. So essentially reimagining solutions to our customer problems. So the WSIB is a $4 billion provincial agency that provides insurance for workers injured on the job. And in your market, Ontario, Canada, your consumers cannot change change carriers. You don't have any competition. So why would you engage in a digital transformation? That's a great question and one that we get asked a lot. But when you think about being a monopoly, being a government organization, we actually compete with Amazon and Netflix and online banking and every great digital experience our customers have, because that's what they expect now from everyone. So even though we are a government entity and we're mandated and we're a monopoly, we can't have an experience that's different from everyone else's because our customers aren't satisfied with that anymore. Our CEO talks about wanting to be the insurer of choice. So even though he knows that we're mandated and that we're a monopoly, he understands that we must be providing those services to the people that we serve in a way that they expect. So when he talks about being the insurer of choice, we all kind of get behind that and think about, all right, how do we deliver those great digital experiences to our customers? And that means that we have to transform the way that we work. Because as a big 103-year-old insurance organization, many of the systems that we have are older and are interfaced in with newer systems. So we've got to make sure that all of that is seamless and that the, the services that we deliver to the people of Ontario when they get injured or they become ill at work need to be when they need it, how they need it, and how they can consume that. And that drives everything that we're doing from a transformation perspective. I love that. And I'm just going to say it again for our uh, listeners, CEO goal to be the insurer of choice. That is quite admirable for a monopoly. So many of our carriers are beginning to use digital factories as incubators, uh, more agile ways of working, of course. You created a digital factory. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the new ways that you're working within the digital factory? For sure. So uh, the digital factory is more a way of working than a physical space. Although pre-COVID-19, we had a physical space that was associated with that. Um, So we set it up to be very much of um, an open plan that we were able to do stand-ups and scrum-based approaches to problem solving. But more than just the physical space, and obviously we're, we're not in that physical space anymore, we're entirely 
entirely virtual, the digital factory is a way of working. It combines three key elements, a service design approach, so looking at that human-centered design, the customer journeys associated with how people consume the products and services that we provide, a product ownership component, so making sure that the individual that owns that product manages the life cycle of that product and how it meets those customer needs, and then an IT DevOps component, so an agile way of being able to use technology to be able to address those customer needs. And all of those three things come together to produce production-ready MVPs, minimum viable products that are iterative and collaborative. And they're all created with members of each of those key responsibility areas who are working collaboratively together to come up with what those products look like. And then to be able to test those directly with the customers. Are these meeting the needs? Are these solving the problems? And then iterating on those. So the digital factory can be a place where some people go to work every day or a virtual place where they go online every day to work. Alternatively, you can have people from the larger organization do a rotation through the factory. Uh, this way, the factory can be used, as you know, as a tool for the broader organization to transform itself over time. Okay, so how will you be using the digital factory as a vehicle for change within the WSIB? That's an excellent point because there are lots of innovative approaches that you can take and you can apply, but unless those are sustained, it's really difficult for the culture of the organization to change to be able to sustain that digitization, that modernization approach. So we've been using the digital factory approach as a way of getting digital quick wins done. So one of those quick wins was being able to provide uh, an opportunity for digital document upload. So if you've been injured on the job, you had a fork truck accident, you've blown out your knee, you've had some physiotherapy. The WSIB then needs information from your physiotherapist so that we can process that claim. Typically in the past, the way that we asked you to provide that to us was to fax that. So imagine this, you're an injured person, you don't have full mobility, and we're asking you to go out and find some kind of postal outlet or a UPS or a Staples where they can fax us something. That really isn't good customer service. So a digital quick win for us was getting that digital document upload tool developed so that people could snap a quick picture with their phone or send a digital document directly to us. And then once we received that, that could be ingested directly into the Guidewire Insurance Suite that we have that runs all of our claims business. And that happened almost instantaneously. So quick things like that, being able to allow customers to access their information has been a way that we've used the digital factory to truly transform. And it's been hugely successful for us to date, but it is a challenge because it is a cultural change. Thinking about things in terms of a minimum viable product means you're not going to solve for everything out the gate. So that collaborative, iterative approach is very, very different from a cultural perspective in a company like ours. Before we continue, listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe to InsureTalk on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, this is Laura Drabic, and let's get back to our conversation. I'm talking with Samantha Lissio, Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at the WSIB Workplace Safety Insurance Board. And we're talking about enabling seamless customer journeys. So Samantha, we left off with um, you talking about 
cultural change and it being a potential impediment to an MVP approach. I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about how you address this cultural change in order to get this MVP mentality across the goal line. It was a little bit of a shock to people, I think. So my colleague, uh, Jennifer Anderson and I, Jennifer is the, the chief operating officer with the WSIB, got our teams together and they were having difficulty with a, with a key problem that we were trying to resolve. And the fabric of our organization, the culture means that people immediately want to go and gather information. They want the the best possible data to be able to make decisions. And it's very difficult to call an end to that because you never have enough information. You can always have more. So after about a week, Jennifer and I got the team together and we said, look, we need different innovative ways of doing this. We need you to take accountability for actually driving this to conclusion and experimenting a little bit. Think about a quick and dirty way of being able to get it done in a way that we can address the customer problems in a seamless kind of way. So the team kind of struggled with that a little bit because everybody wants to, you know, have the the PowerPoint deck that they can put the business case together from. But they started to work together and they went through the, the process of storming and norming and then to performing. Around those collaborative sessions that were actually developing the MVP solution as they went through. So rather than a typical waterfall approach to development that gathers all of the requirements, then solutions against those requirements and then tests whether or not the solution met the requirements. It's iterating at every instance along that process as to whether or not that that minimum viable product is going to work and meets those needs. So I think within a matter of days, and we were actually seeing prototypes and wireframes get developed, that the team really got its legs and then started to push and push and push. And within 12 weeks, we had our first minimum viable products. If our regular culture had applied and we had used our typical waterfall methodology, that would have taken probably months, maybe even a year. But it was enough to make a substantive difference to our customers And when the team saw that, that was something that really energized them and the people around them who then also wanted to be part of the next team and the next MVP. So I'm a business person. I appreciate that customer journeys help the business gain insight into customer pain points, improvements in the customer experience, and also help to define what customers need to complete a purchase or a service. How did you identify key processes that would streamline your customer's journey? Well, Laura, this is this is interesting because um, we had been thinking about customer journeys and personas and developing those specific to the business that workers' compensation does in Canada, that the WSIB does in Ontario. And then we went and visited you at Guidewire a couple of years ago, and we took our CEO so that he could see the actual software being developed. And his reaction to seeing the personas and the customer journeys actually displayed in the developer's workspace was a bit of an epiphany for him. A big recognition that the software was being built specifically to address customer needs and that the WSIB was not unique in those needs. So in being a large insurance organization, essentially, the work that Guidewire was doing to build the software specific to those insurance customer needs was exactly what the WSIB needed and that we shouldn't necessarily be doing that for ourselves separate from 
the work that was happening with the software development. So that was something that really seized him. And when we came back to the office to talk about how we were going to start our modernization journey, how we were going to change our underlying claims and accounts system of record, and how we were going to be able to engage our clients through um, a digital format. We started to think about how we needed to work on the customer journeys and the personas that had already been developed, and then be very specific to those areas of the journeys that were specific to the compensation business. So it wasn't kind of trying to do soup to nuts ourselves. It was thinking about how do we leverage the software out of the box, and then iterate specifically to, to develop the personas and the journeys related to the workers' compensation journey, and identify the pain points there and to fix those. So the key processes that we followed were those that are typical to a service design approach and then the engagement of the customers directly. So doing sort of deep ethnographic research with the customers about not only what they were telling us their experience was related to our products and services, but actually watching them in situ trying to use those products and services when they needed them. And that was really informative and illustrative to us too, that the pain points that we thought before we had gone through the customer journeys and before we had done the ethnographic research, weren't exactly the pain points that our customers were, were experiencing. And being able to address the pain points that customers are actually experiencing versus what you think they're experiencing is where the magic happens with digitization, because then it truly meets a need. Any improvement metrics from your digital transformation that you could share with us? Well, we talked about the time to production. It was 12 weeks to the first MVP versus what would have been probably months or, or close to a year. The year 2018, I think the WSIB received more than 2 million pieces of paper. The digital document upload tool means that we've significantly reduced that incoming paper. And now we're getting between 40 and 50,000 digital documents per month. And that's representing, I guess, back in April when the, the most recent metrics were, uh, were taken. That was about half of our total documents and it's growing. That's especially important for us during COVID because now we don't have people in the mailroom that are receiving those um, pieces of paper, but the digital document upload tool doesn't care about COVID. We, then we can get those documents in and they go right into the, the backend systems and get ingested right into Guidewire. So it's a huge benefit for us. So we're seeing without actually doing hard launches or public outreach, the people are starting to use those tools and prefer to use those tools. We have login for business now. So so we deal with employers as a key customer group, and they're now able to log in through a secure portal to be able to conduct their business with us. Before the login for business process, the overall customer satisfaction with that process was about 27%. Terrible, awful customer satisfaction. After we introduced the login for business, that satisfaction score jumped to over 66.6% and it continues to grow. We need to take another break. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe to InsureTalk on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to our conversation with Samantha Alicio, Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at the WSIB. Samantha, what's one critical piece of advice you would share with carriers planning to launch a digital experience? narrowing it down to one critical bit of advice. You're going to make me work hard, Laura. <laughs> 
I think um, it all comes down to knowing what the customer needs are and what their specific pain points are in your processes and services. And to do that, you can't you can't just guess. You won't know if you if you're just thinking about what you think those are. You actually have to do the heavy lifting on the customer focus groups, on those journey maps, on those customer personas. That whole service design practice needs to kick in so that you can truly understand those customer needs and the pain points and then be able to fix those but then also check back that what you're doing is actually addressing the customer needs most insurers are traditional hundreds of years old but nowadays we see more and more insure tech firms that are maybe less than 100 days old um, whether you're a traditional insurer whether you're an insure tech firm whether you're somewhere in the middle or trying to take the best elements of both the need to understand the problem that you're seeking to solve is kind of the key critical piece of advice that I would provide. And then solving it, but then experimenting and learning and reimagining to continue to iterate on that. Because once you solve for it once, you're not, it's not one and done. I can really appreciate your statement here. It all starts with the customer and the problem um, they're seeking to solve. Thank you for sharing. So we are connected on LinkedIn and I recently saw your LinkedIn post, which read, we are currently not processing any hard copy mail businesses can still update and submit via the portal. Clearly, this is one way that the pandemic has affected how you do business, digitization of documentation. How else has COVID-19 affected how you do business at the WSIB? Well, as you've pointed out, we've had to digitize any paper-based processes because we can't handle paper anymore. We can't have people going to the facilities, the mailrooms in our locations. And we've had to find alternative ways of being able to support things like virtual healthcare because people aren't traveling to health appointments the way they did before too. So we need to be thinking about how can we enable that same sort of seamless means by which people are accessing virtual healthcare and to do that back integrated into our own systems. It means that we've re-looked at our whole business and that we've had to rapidly address gaps. So I'll give you an example, things like uh, access requests. If you have been a customer of the, the Worker Safety and Insurance Board, you're a workers comp customer, you can access all of your information and those access requests come in periodically. Typically those would be, we'd get them in the mail or someone would come in and ask, and then we put together all of the paper files related to that particular claim and ship those back out to the individual. And sometimes that's boxes and boxes of files. We've been able to digitize that at the front end. So you can request that through the portal and then we can get that sent to you in a digital format through Secure FTP. So being able to do that rapidly, address those gaps quickly has been a key kind of focus for us during this epidemic. But it's made us think a little bit more about people. We have whole sectors that are badly disenfranchised um, service sector that can't uh, go to work. Our hairdressers aren't getting to work hotels all of those those places that that really are impacted significantly so while people are working differently we've deferred premiums for our employers until august but in the uncertain economic times that we're in we need to be thoughtful about how do we continue our business beyond that so more than ever we need to to be thinking about that responsibly and with empathy so it's it's been challenging but you pivoted really well. Would you have been able to do all of this without doing 
doing your system modernization? I don't think so. If we hadn't have things like our digital document upload tool, our online login for business, we wouldn't have been able to continue to develop and to pivot based on those. So having that gave us certainly a jump start. It would have been much more difficult had we not been there. But it also gives us a great opportunity to accelerate all of that digitization work and all of that modernization work. Because really, we need to accelerate that to address the challenges that the current situation is forcing us to deal with. So always take advantage of a crisis. <laughs> Samantha, thank you very much for your time today and for your incredible insight into enabling seamless customer journeys. You showed us it's not just about ideas, it's about making ideas happen. Thank you, Laura. It's been my pleasure. This podcast is brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. Visit guidewire.com for more information.